you know, misinformation, it's gonna appear in new formats and new ways. There's definitely sort of higher demands put on you to to keep to that journalist ethic. In the future, employers will sort of be able to give more flexibility to their employees. To be in the office and sort of complaining about being in the office. You missed that, right? <laughs> Welcome back to Awesome Media House podcast with Chaitra. The guest for today's episode is Freya Hedman. Previously worked as data consultant and lead data analyst, she assisted data analysis on the US midterms elections 2018 and the European Parliament elections 2019. From mapping the 2018 Swedish general election on Twitter to currently working as market specialist for Sweden. Let us welcome Freya. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me, Shaita. Thank you for joining us. Could you tell our listeners how you are part of Oslo Media House? Yes, so I did a talk on my research uh, with the Oxford Internet Institute back in 2018. And the research was on, on how people share misinformation on social media during elections. And so that also sort of contacts from the Oslo Media um how sort of got me introduced to the Trondheim's Next Media Conference in 2019, where there are some similar organizers. So I have many good friends from, from both of those forums now. And uh, so COVID-19 is keeping millions of people across the globe homebound. Where are you and what have you been doing these days of self-isolation? So I'm currently in Dublin uh, with a with a new role and a new company, and and I've been stuck inside my house for about two months now. Uh, so it's been two months since the office closed and since we're in this sort of lockdown that they have here in uh, here in Ireland. Um, and I'd say I've been getting on fine. You know, I'm pretty structured, so I, I get my work done and I. I keep a routine going, uh, but I think the most difficult thing is is being so far away from you know family and friends. At this time, I um, I had a friend who's a psychologist. Uh, she said that in many ways the situation we're in now is very similar to to a war or you know a conflict because we need to adapt our lifestyle extensively for a period of time. However, uh, during a war, you could you know, many times be in the comfort of your family. You could you could hug them and you could seek that sort of physical comfort. Um, so in, in some ways, this situation is, is more challenging in that way. Yes, I agree on that. Uh, like, even I'm staying away from my uh, family and uh, visiting friends is not that easy now. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, my friends are mostly in Croatia, Germany and around around the globe, I would say. But uh, yeah, the important thing is like keeping grounded and, you know, having a good routine and staying yeah. sane, I would say. Yeah, w one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time, exactly. And as a market specialist, how are you coping with such crisis? Yeah, so now I'm I'm employed with a big tech company. So I we sort of have the fortune of being, you know, we have a very good infrastructure 
on on working you know from home or from other locations um we have we have an infrastructure in place for video conferencing and sort of internal systems with emails and chats so we have sort of the tooling in place to to make the whole experience work you know with our jobs and i think that we've proved sort of two things from now working from home for for two months and not only the tech industry i think several industries have realized that one we don't have to travel as much with our jobs necessarily we can actually do a lot of the meetings or or events you know online and secondly that we can obviously work from home or from different locations so that i think in the future employers will sort of be able to give more flexibility to their employees in terms of where you want to work from or or if you want to work from home if you need that uh, then we've obviously proven that that's feasible exactly i believe that uh, the pandemic has uh, given us to balance our work life and like many of us actually do not have to go to workplace we could just just manage from our home so i think that's going to be a change in the future but as a market specialist do you have any certain roles that you have to be like on the field or like be on the job no so again i'm very fortunate to have um almost all of my sort of work commitment uh, goes very well online uh, and that also comes with working with a with a tech company so it's fortunate that way for sure but you miss the colleagues because <laughs> that's one part that you can't really replace online right arrests colleagues and coffee breaks and uh, yes exactly to be around uh, hanging around with them yeah to to be in the office and sort of complaining about being in the office you miss that right <laughs> and could you uh, talk about a little bit about uh, the consumption of social media during the 2018 US midterm elections news and political information consumption in Sweden Yeah so uh, the idea behind the research we did at at Oxford University was that we investigate elections all over the world using the same methodology using the same sort of labeling so that we can compare the results across the world and we looked at specifically how do people share information and and misinformation so fake news or junk news during elections And I think one surprising result from the Swedish election was that, you know, specifically when then comparing to other European countries where we looked at at their elections, we found that Swedes were sharing significantly more junk news during the time of the election. Why was that like it was such a, a sort of surprising development and we were second only to the US election. which um to the US 2016 major election um and and the same was sort of also proven for the US midterm election which i supported on as well so when we compared that to the 2016 presidential election we could see that the amount of junk news was greater in 2018 during the midterm so it grew from 2016 um and and the astounding fact that actually in 2018 during midterms um online users were sharing more junk news than professional news yes in actual numbers so that was quite shocking and also like online giving such a big platform to a lot of uh, citizens there and they could actually 
write anything on any like you know pass on any kind of fake information and how how did you track all this like how was how the research went there we gathered during a two week period of time or a month prior to the elections we gathered uh, tweets and sort of social media data and then we had a classification system where we looked at the sources that they were sharing on twitter and on social media and then we classified all of the news sources into these different classes so either they would be confirmed professional news so for example cnn or or whatever news channel or they would be junk news where we had sort of different criterias where if they fulfilled x amount of those criterias they would be labeled as junk news so that way we could see sort of um, how how much are people sharing these different categories of of information? And how is the fake or the junk wave developing this year with both COVID and US elections? Uh, I haven't been involved with um, any elections after the European election. That was the most recent one. Uh, but I think in general, of course, this crisis is making the very um, like being able to actually just just hold an election right now has been compromised, right? And we can see that um, around the globe, you know, already now. Yes, and you were talking about the junk news and what do you would do, like how you would bring this to notice to the people that, you know, certain misinformation is online and you got to be very careful about it. What do you do about that? Yeah, I think so when we released our research in Sweden um, and, and it was kind of a surprising result, I think it's definitely spiraled a debate on, you know, how can we handle uh, this amount of misinformation online and how can we educate Swedes into sort of knowing what's a valid source online, what's not. I know some of the initiatives uh, from Sweden has been to very early on in, in preschool already now. Uh, actually educate the kids on how to search online uh, you know which sources are valid and and that kind of yeah search mythology you know misinformation it's gonna appear in new formats and new ways um as people get more tech savvy we're seeing different formats of misinformation just like very recently uh, deep fake videos which have also caused, you know, a lot of a lot of reactions and a lot of misinformation spread very quickly, where you can't even tell the difference between between a real video or, or a very fake video, you know. And um, in terms of being a news like a, a journalist or a news reporter, or or a news source, professional news source, I think you there's definitely sort of higher demands put on you to to keep to that journalist ethic and and maybe even you know take the lead on on informative uh, efforts with the broader public on on how can they fact check their news sources and can you tell us how different was it to work in the general election and how would you differentiate the election spirit between the two countries when looking at Sweden and US, we actually, the research itself found some differences in, in the spirit of how we talk about elections or, or elections politics in Sweden and US. So for example, the political discourse in Sweden tended to be broader in nature. Um, so almost half of all the tweets we analyzed, Swedes would discuss general political issues 
rather than discuss party candidates or or party polit- like party specific uh, issues so it would be more about the broader issue at, uh, in hand and then uh, Swedes rarely shared their party affiliation uh, as opposed to in the US where it's more of a horse race you know between the two candidates running up to the election uh, but one similarity in in spirit was the pattern of the junk news sort of moving from being an issue at the fringes of the political spectrum and just moving in and emerging as sort of a mainstream phenomenon in Sweden. And we saw that in US as well, where junk news, who was one sort of consumed by Trump support base or the far right, are now being consumed by more mainstream conservative social media users. And that was the development we saw from the 2016 presidential elections to the 2018 midterms that it sort of got more and more mainstream in both countries. And uh, what is your vision for the next year? How will pandemic restrict society and its impact on economy and elections? Could you give your opinion on this? We're seeing a lot of elections simply being postponed for right now, um, especially, I think, on a national scale. However, some elections like subnational elections in U.S., Uh, The solution has been to limit the number of in-person voting locations. For example, in Ohio, I know they just had their uh, primary elections and they limited the voting locations from the previous time, which was 4,000 different locations, into one in-person location for this election this year. Uh, So it's a big difference. And then I think they put a lot of resources into information and you know online training on how you handle mail-in ballots and postal voting and such procedures. Yes and do you believe that US would actually follow some online votings and do you how that would affect US elections? Yeah I think you need to have a very solid sort of infrastructure in place and you know get all sorts of privacy issues solved and and stuff like that but but it's a it's a possibility maybe in a few years yeah and before we end this podcast would you like to share a memory connected to Oslo Media House yes so when i think back uh, on the conference and and just the media house in general it was such a warm welcome uh, from the organizers when we came there as as speakers And I remember I arrived very late uh, on the night before from Sweden and we were immediately sort of shown around and and given beers and snacks and super friendly environment. Um, I'm still good friends with some of the speakers from the time and we keep in touch. Uh, So I feel like every person I've met connected to the, the Oslo Media House are just, you know, brilliant people and extremely friendly. Freya, when we would be seeing you again in Oslo Media House, are you planning for a a talk or a workshop here sometime? I would love to. I would love to come back to Oslo. And as I mentioned, I was uh, just sort of recently in Trondheim with the next media conference. And and that was sort of close enough to Oslo. But I I definitely want to um, come by Oslo sometime soon. Hope to see you soon then. It has been a pleasure talking to you, Freya, and thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and experiences. Well, that's all for today's episode, and thank you so much for listening to us. 
Thank you again and this is Chaitra signing off.